perfectly highlights this whole notion of it being an island of grace, that what you're seeing, even with Ruth's obedience to the Lord and, and, and following after the Lord, that itself should draw our attention, not finally and fully to Ruth, although although she does serve as an example in, in wisdom in so many ways, but but ultimately to the Lord who who chooses Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. My name is Jonathan Master. I am joined as always by my friend and co-host, James Dolezal. James, how are you today? Doing well, Jonathan. Looking forward to our conversation with today's guest. Yes, this uh, this is one that, that we have been looking forward to for, for a while. It's uh, really uh, been precipitated by a recent book published by Crown and Covenant Publications called An Island of Grace, redeeming love in the book of Ruth. And we have with us today the author, uh, Dr. Christopher Wright, who is Elder Emeritus of First Reformed Presbyterian Church of Cambridge, Massachusetts. And he was an organic chemist for his career. And now he's retired and he is obviously all uh, continuing to study his Bible and write for the benefit of the church. So Dr. Wright, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Now, I want to begin with the title. In the title, you describe the book of Ruth as an island of grace, which is a beautiful image. H- how does the time frame of the book of Ruth, which right at the beginning, it says during the time of the judges, how does it accentuate the theme of grace in this biblical book? Uh, the time frame very much uh, uh, accentuates the theme of grace. Uh, the time of the judges when the book when the, the book of Ruth took place, was disorderly, violent. Uh, by the end of the book of Judges, it was practically civil war. And uh, and the, the book of Judges ends with, there is no king in Israel. It was Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And the book of Ruth then follows immediately in the days when the judges ruled. And Ruth is a story of grace. It's a sharp, the contrast between uh, what was going on in Israel as a whole and what was going on in Bethlehem is very sharp. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, that's, that's why it was called, I, I called it an island of grace, because uh, the people in Bethlehem are, are beautiful people, showing grace in, in their interactions with one another and a, a, care, a real care for one another. So that's why I... Uh, I call it an island of grace. I think that's a that's a great point to make in terms of its placement. We we might know where it falls in the canon, but maybe don't always appreciate where it falls historically and the the social circumstances that surround the narrative of the book of Ruth. It sounds it sounds uh, pastoral and benign uh, somewhat in its uh, in its setting, and yet it, it's it's really situated in, in a world of violence and self-will all around. Yes. Maybe bringing out the character of Boaz, which we'll talk about in a few moments, uh, even more admirably, um, as he is a right, is a righteous man in, in an unrighteous age. Yes. I would, I want to ask, uh, you deal with different, the different characters in the book of Ruth, and I would assume most of our readers are familiar with the, the basic narrative of this short book. And I'm sure when you preached this originally, uh, you, you were anticipating that your listeners also knew the basic narrative. You investigate some of the characters, and I was struck early on with how you treat Naomi in mm-hmm. particular. 
commending her uh, for us as a as a model of trusting God. And I and what struck me about this, first of all, I was pleasantly surprised by it because I it and without naming names, I often hear uh, or read a negative portrayal of Naomi urging her daughters-in-law back back to idolatry, calling herself Mara, um, almost bitter against the Lord. Um, you present her somewhat differently than that. Can you say something to that? Yes. Um, I think she's gotten some of a bad rap from some preachers. Uh, they see her, as you point out, as just an embittered old, old person. Um and preachers, some have contrasted her with negatively with Ruth, who has presented as such a, a beautiful character, uh, and indeed has a beautiful character. Um, <clears throat> but uh, stepping back from that, from we, we could ask the question, where did Ruth get these wonderful uh, uh, attributes of grace? Uh, she's a Moabite. Uh, and uh, uh, she she must have gotten it from the household of Naomi, uh, probably from Naomi herself. We can't be certain, but uh, um, she uh, from the household that she married into was anyway probably what what, what she, uh, where, where she where she got her knowledge of God and and when she made that wonderful uh, commitment to to Naomi, she said. She wanted your God to be my God. And, and so Naomi, um, Naomi, Naomi has had a very hard time. Uh, the, the Almighty, she says, has brought calamity upon me. She asked to be called Mara, meaning bitter, as you point out, in recognition of this. But following her forward in the story, we see her appreciative of God's hand of blessing conveyed through others. When she sees the huge amount of barley that Ruth brought, brings home the first evening, she immediately prays God's blessing on the one who helped her. And then, uh, then when Ruth told her who it was, she blessed uh, that it was Boaz. May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. She's, hmm. she's not bitter. Uh, she, she had a temporary, she got hit very hard. And, uh, uh, she 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 is a godly woman, and and she and Ruth has committed herself to help Naomi and and, and to believe in Naomi's God. So I, I think a good argument can be made that she has uh, that the preachers have been somewhat some preachers have been too hard on her. I think it's interesting that Ruth. I, I appreciated this because I think Ruth's making implicitly a, a character assessment when she she clearly is attracted to Naomi and Naomi has clearly made the worship of the one true God uh, an attractive thing to Ruth. And uh, I th anyway, it was fascinating that you bring that out and, and even hold Naomi up uh, as an example of faith and trusting God in adversity. So uh, for, for readers who want perhaps a different take on Naomi, um, for other, among other reasons, I would recommend uh, this book for a slightly different view of her. Oh, good. Thank you. D Dr. Wright, I want to continue kind of along those lines, staying in Ruth chapter one and that whole um, that scene where R Ruth uh, 
commits herself to staying with Naomi. And 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 as you said, your God will be my God. And so and so Naomi clearly uh, her allegiance to the Lord has has been obvious and evident to Ruth and Ruth, um, as it were, signs on to that. But what are what are we to make of Ruth's decision to go with Naomi and Orpah's decision to return to uh, Moab to her idolatrous people? And how how should we think of this? You, you connect it uh, to a to our understanding of the sovereignty of God. How should we think of that whole scene? Ruth goes with her. Orpah goes back in light of God's sovereignty. Right. Well, um, first let me say. I think that the, their decisions arose out, arose out of Naomi doing a, a, good, a good job of pressing them to, what amounts to, to uh, uh, pressing them so they are forced to a decision. Uh, and that was, that was actually, I think, is commendable for Naomi in, in an odd way because she, 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 she just didn't want them um, with her. She thought they couldn't. Uh, handle it if they weren't committed, fully committed. I, I think that's what drove her. But but uh, and so the decision that each of them made reflected what was deepest in in their hearts. And uh, the, the sovereignty of God on this is is very clear because Orpah's uh, uh, heart Arpa's heart had not been changed uh, by grace, and uh, so the decision for her was return to Moab and its idolatry. For Ruth, whose heart, for Ruth, whose heart God had changed deeply, it led to an incredible statement of commitment, and both of these things came about by the sovereignty of God. Uh, his choice, God, what God decides, always happens. He's already free to do all His holy will, and that's what He's done. He does. It, it may be hard for us to see Him not cho- choosing not to bring Orpah into His kingdom. But but to choose Ruth and uh, that that was that was God's sovereign decision, and uh, we we have to to reckon with it. You you mentioned even Romans nine and this connection, and maybe maybe many are familiar with even God's choice of Jacob over Esau, not for merits of His right. own, but out of grace. And you draw a similar. Uh, consideration with regard to God's choice of Ruth, uh, and yet not of Orpah. It's a, it's a thing that Christians struggle with, uh, rightly or wrongly, and uh, I thought it needed to be addressed in some way. Uh, but I, I don't have all the answers. Anyway. You you do mention, I think that the question should not merely be why didn't Orpah go too, but maybe even more deeply. Why did Ruth go? Uh, yes, the grace of God at work in her heart. Exactly. Yeah, that's what drove the whole thing. Now, so so that and that highlights. I mean, it it perfectly highlights this whole notion of it being an island of grace. That what you're seeing, even with Ruth's obedience to the Lord and 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 following after the Lord, that itself should draw our attention not finally and fully to Ruth. Although, although she does serve as an example in, in wisdom in so many ways, but but ultimately to the Lord who who chooses um, who will be saved. But I want to want to switch gears. James brought him up already, but what I want to switch gears and talk about Boaz a little bit. 
Uh, what are we to make of Boaz's initial kindness to Ruth? You m- many times it's presented in terms of you know, well, Boaz is looking for a wife; he wants to marry someone. But you you suggest some other motives, and I wonder if you could talk about what some of those motives may be. Sure, um, I think it, uh, it's a simplistic way to get out if you just say uh, this man was looking for a wife. Uh, it. Uh, it was a complex situation, and uh, Boaz needs to be recognized first as a man full of grace who loved God and his name. That's that's key. He wasn't just a, a, a guy looking for, for a wife. Uh, and, uh, uh, and he was, as a man full of grace who loved God uh, and his law, he was f- faced... Uh, <clears throat> with the knowledge of Leviticus 19.34, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. And anyone who loves God in the Old Testament and comes to faces that, that verse, and, and, and many other verses for God caring for the, the, the widow and the stranger and the orphan and so on. So that, that's the first thing. I think he, he was motivated by by his his love for God and God's law. Secondly, he had, he it's very clear from his interaction with her that he was very impressed with Ruth's commitment to Naomi. He said, "All that you have done for your mother-in-law has been reported to me, and and uh, how you left your your father and mother and so on, and uh, came to a land of people whom you did not know." Um, so he he's he's impressed with that and. That is a big part of his reason for his kindness to, to her. Um, and most importantly, he recognizes that Ruth has come to know the living God, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so that that seems to indicate love and care uh, for her, her as, a, as, a, as, a, as a neighbor. The good of Israel, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And finally, just in terms of uh, the, the flow of the uh, um, of the, of the, the, the account in, in, in uh, the Book of Ruth, Boaz does not initiate the marriage process. Uh, it, it actually is uh, initiated by Ruth uh, with Naomi's uh, Naomi's planning, uh, and that's uh, significant because he's. Uh, he's a man of action. He, Naomi comments that about him uh, at the end of chapter three, um, where she says he, he will not rest until he deals with this matter. So I think uh, <clears throat> there, he, he loved her, Ruth in the sense of, of being impressed with her, uh, 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 her commitment and, uh, and her need. Um, but uh, uh, I, I don't think you can say he was merely looking for a wife. There's a. I wanted to make one uh, observation. You in in the book, you bring out this phrase that Boaz uses, taking shelter under the wings. Yeah. And yeah, I really something I had not seen before that you brought out very nicely. How maybe you could say something about maybe how how that phrase is used, and maybe even the the family lineage possibly lying behind that. Yeah. <laughs> We, we don't know for sure, but but it's that phrase uh, is found only in the Book of Ruth in that in chapter two, and in five of the Psalms. Uh, 
Psalm, Psalm uh, 17, 36. I, I, I don't have them all in my head right now, but but it's 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 striking that there there are six. I say six. Sorry, six citations there. Five of the citations are are are. are are from psalms that are titled Psalms of David. And the, the sixth one, which uh, Psalm 91 is untitled. Um, and so they, they, these uh, these seem to give a, a hint that, that since since uh, since uh, Obed or since no, Boaz was the um, suppose was the uh, uh, great grandfather of David, uh, it could it could have uh, originated that phrase about um, being under the shadow of God's wings. That could have originated with with Boaz and been carried through family generations. We don't know, but uh, it's intriguing that it's found only in Psalms of David and unnamed Psalms. Well, as a as a possibility, it's 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 suggestive of a of a beautiful legacy. Of faith being handed down from one generation to another. Yes, Doctor Wright, that that gets us to uh, the last question we have time for, which you mentioned Obed in in your previous answer and the lineage that that takes us ultimately to David, but it takes us beyond David. It takes us to the Lord Jesus Christ, and so I wonder if. It, just as we wrap up and, and and think about this book being an island of grace, how does the birth of Obed anticipate the advent of God's own son in the fullness of time? Well, um, all of the action takes place in Bethlehem, where Christ was to be born. Uh, Prophet Micah later made it very plain that it was Bethlehem, Ephrathah, was where, where Christ would be born. Obed was born in Bethlehem. From the uh, uh, genealogy, the brief genealogy that follows, uh, it's clear that Obed was in uh, the line of uh, of the Messiah, and uh, and both of them were born in in Bethlehem, as I said, and both of them born to great rejoicing. And Obed by the by the people of God in Bethlehem. Jesus, hundreds of uh, thousand years later, born in Bethlehem to the great rejoicing by the heavenly host. Uh, both of them were much looked for and appreciated, uh, and uh, uh, <clears throat> but of course, Obed didn't didn't do any true redeeming. He 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 was he was he was a person who stood in the line, and uh, we don't we know that Boaz uh, did a. Uh, an act of redemption, uh, not, which pictured Christ's atoning work later, but uh, um, he, he, Obed was was not as uh, as anywhere near as important as the uh, person for whom he was a type. It's I think an appropriate way for us to end. But but Dr. Wright, thank you for your labor in writing this book. It, it, it there were just a, a lot of insightful exegetical gems in it and uh we we really are grateful also for you taking the time to to speak with us today well thank you it's a privilege to to speak with you well james it was a delight to have dr wright on with us we we really do owe him a debt of gratitude not only for his labor 
on this book, which we we did thank him for, but for his time today, he's struggling with Parkinson's, and he he told us that, and and uh, so it was it was just a great delight to be able to to talk with him and hear some of his insights and and read some of his insights. I think, I mean, I don't know if your experience, Jonathan, is like mine, but sometimes there can be the feeling that Ruth's been done so to speak uh right. so many books it's i i think my my wife made the observation that sometimes ruth feels like the first john of the old testament you know what i mean the, yeah. the kind of the 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 book you do starting i want to say of of this book which really was born out of a sermon series i found it refreshing and stimulating so many suggest suggestive uh lines of interpretation that are often overlooked or disparaged in other literature i think even his particular understanding of certain characters in the book there are contrasts that i think are are made in an over easy manner uh in other expositions of the book and i think he he resists that temptation and gives a different take we mentioned particularly his approach to uh, naomi and her character um the book is really i think chock full of insights like this. And if one were to do a study through the book of Ruth, I think this is the kind of book that could, it's it's readable in the sense of not only for private devotions or for study for a sermon, but even for like family devotions, if you wanted to take your family, just take, take a subheading for each family devotion, which is just a couple pages in length and work through the book as a series of, you know, chapters and subheadings each one of those for a daily devotion or reading uh, at the family time of family worship, the book would serve well that way. But in addition to this, also there are, I think, some helpful things for preachers uh, that would be a, a genuine alternative to some of the other literature they might be reading. Also, the book, I mean, since it was born out of sermons, the book is just, it flows very nicely. The, the, the it reads, it reads well, it, it reads, uh, like it was preached with someone with uh, experience and insight, not just into the book of Ruth, but into the Christian life that really comes through in this book. And I, I think readers would only benefit from it. I agree with all of that. And I think that one of the reasons why he he um, gets to some, some uh, kind of uh, puts characters in a certain light that might strike, strike us as a little different, it is because his constant focus is on the grace of God being shown through this. So even things like Ruth and Orpah's um, parting, uh, he, he's, he's not only looking at it through the lens of, you know, who makes what decision, but, but really through the lens of the grace of God being displayed in all of this and the sovereignty of God being displayed in all of this, that Godward focus really does end up, um, revealing some things in the book and and some complexities in Naomi's um presentation as well that that could otherwise be missed. So it is worthwhile and and whether you end up uh, agreeing with all of his specific interpretations an accessible book, a good edition, not just one more Ruth book that will say the same thing that the other Ruth books may may have said already. Uh so well worth everyone's everyone's time and attention. And if you'd like the opportunity to win a copy of this book, An Island of Grace, Redeeming Love in the Book of Ruth by Christopher Wright, our friends at Crown and Covenant have given us a couple of copies to give away. So if you go to um, 
placefortruth.org, click on the Theology on the Go link, and you can then enter your, your contact information, and we will uh, we will have a few of those to give away. Uh, again, we're all so grateful for our listeners. If you can, if you can, uh, if you can support the work that we're doing here at the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, uh, there are ways to do that that are fairly straightforward. Go to the donate button at the top of AllianceNet.org or PlaceForTruth.org. If you can spread the word about the podcast, we appreciate that. One easy way to do it is by rating and reviewing this podcast wherever it is that you download it. And as always, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.